There was a time in my life, I mean, I got stories for days. If you know me, if you sit with me, obviously I'm a preacher, so I'm long-winded, uh, just by default, just out the gate. Uh, nonetheless, you know, there are so many things that God has done in my life, hence the reason that I'm so passionate about Jesus, and, you know, and I've given my life to him. I've been pastoring now for 15-plus years by the grace of the Lord, and, you know, I started, started this journey a long time ago. And the thing is that, in, you know, in growing up, I had um, a very religious experience. If you've been around, you've heard um, you know, my testimony, I'm sure, or bits and pieces of it. However, uh, you know, I, I grew up in a very religious environment, and consequently, you know, I did not really have a genuine encounter with Christ. I just had, in many cases, just a religious experience. I had a great, I was very familiar with religion. It was a bunch of rules and structures and you know, and, and in many cases, God was not present in a lot of what was happening. And I had not encountered and experienced him for myself. Now, when I was about, let's say, 12 years old, I'll never forget, there was a friend of mine, two friends of mine, that in this organization I was a part of were getting ready to be baptized. And so everybody say baptized. And, you know, I was to a place where I'm like, man, I see my friends getting baptized. You know, I see these guys, these, these, are, these are the hood men that, you know, that I, that I would be running the block with and stuff. And I'm like, you know, at 12 years old, right? <laughs> we started early back in the day, fam. And anyways, I'm like, yo, these guys are about to get baptized. Like, I, yo, I want to get baptized too. You know, and so I didn't really put any thought into why I was going to get baptized. I just wanted to do it because they were doing it. And so, you know, then that moment, I'll never forget, man. It was crazy because... My dad, I mean, my dad in that time, he, you know, he was kind of, sus he was like really sussing out my motives, like for getting baptized. I'll never forget, he asked me, he's like, son, he's like, are you getting baptized because you want to get baptized? And then I never forget, he asked me, do you, do you even love Jesus? Right? And in that moment, I was like, when he asked me, do I love Jesus? I was, I was crying. I was like, yes, I love Jesus, you know? But really, I was just crying because I wanted to get baptized. And I didn't want my brethren them to get baptized. And I was standing on the outside just looking in. And so in that moment, I made the decision. I was like, all right. You know, my dad says, okay, I'm not going to stop you. And so I end up going. And on that day, I got baptized. Did not mean anything except the fact that I was just following my friends. Come on, somebody. Just trying to set this thing up for you to understand this because, you know, my baptism at that time was not attached to faith. Now, fast forward years and years and years later, my friend uh, Jonathan, Pastor Jonathan, actually, who was here uh, last year and came and preached for us, one of my best friends at the time, he's getting married. So he's getting married, fly out to Arizona. He's getting ready to be, uh, to be married in Arizona. And I got to be the best man. Right. He had two of them. Actually, I was I was really vexed because I thought I should be the only one, but I'll get over it someday. Nonetheless, I was sharing this spot with another dude. And, you know, I went out there to be the best man. So anyway, he goes, yo, I want you to pick up my friend from the airport. Y'all still with me? Pick up my friend from the airport. So I go out to the airport in Arizona. I don't even know where I'm headed. You know, GPS most definitely was not reliable on your phones and stuff back then but I made it to the airport so I end up getting to the airport 
And this gentleman gets in the car. I'm like, hey, his name is Ursel, right? I meet Ursel. Ursel is a comedian. He is absolutely hilarious. And so I'm dying laughing the whole time we're driving back to where the man and we're staying, right? So anyways, make a long story short, I end up connecting, talking with Ursel, and I got the opportunity to share the gospel with him. And so it's just nuts. We're freaking out. My friend, because this is, this is a real good friend of Pastor Jonathan who's about to get married. And my friend in this moment, or this is my new friend, he decides in, the, in this whole encounter of us driving back and I share the gospel with him and all this, he decides to uh, give his life to Christ. So he responds to the gospel, right? And then he says, hey man, I want you to baptize me. So I'm like, this is dope. Go to this, my friend's wedding. I go to go in, you know, uh, pick up his, his, this guy from the airport. I get to share the gospel with him. Not only do I get to share the gospel with him, but here at my best friend's wedding in the same church, we get to baptize him right before the wedding happens. In fact, you ought to just celebrate. Isn't that something to celebrate that God does stuff like that? So look, this is so powerful to me because look, I get in the pool and I'm getting ready with my friend to baptize this individual. And I've been pastoring at that point for a few years and I'm going into this, you know, pool, get dressed and ready to go. And while I'm in there and as I'm getting ready to go in there, it clicked to me. Hold up a second. You out here leading people to Jesus and baptizing people and you're not even baptized for the right reason. And so I got convicted because I'm like, what am I doing, fam? I'm out here leading people to Jesus. I'm getting ready to baptize someone that just got saved, responded to the gospel under my ministry, and I'm not even baptized for the right reason. So in that moment, I was cut to heart. And as I was baptizing somebody else, I was cut to heart and was compelled by the Holy Spirit to make a bold move. And so right after I baptized my new friend, I looked at my best friend and the pastor as well, another pastor who was there. And I was like, hey, man, can you baptize me? And so as a pastor, oh, people are going to say, like, how is he a pastor? And he, but people are going to say, and people are going to say, and people are going to say. But then it got to the point where I was there. I was like, it doesn't matter what people have to say. Come on, somebody. I'm not about to be out here being a hypocrite. Come on. And so if I'm going to be baptizing someone, I want to make sure that going forward, I'm able to do so because I myself have had a genuine experience. And so right there, right there in that pool, I made the decision to be baptized again. I believe I was 26 years old, about 26 years old. I was pastoring since I was 20 and I got baptized right after this individual see the fact of the matter is that god has called many of us to make bold moves and watch this i want to talk to you today about the fact that a lot of us are going through life faking the funk and we're oftentimes promoting and leading people to do stuff that we're not even doing ourselves Oh, can I just help somebody? Because I came to poop somebody's party and to mess up your comfortability today to push you into the purpose that God has for you. And sometimes it's going to cause you to humble yourself. Sometimes the boldest moves that we can make are in the position of humility. 
Oh my, oh my, oh my, oh my, oh my. Watch this. So look. Here in the text, you find this passage and the Bible says in Acts chapter 8. Are you still there? Acts chapter 8, verse 26. Someone's like, see, I'm coming for all of your edges today, fam. Someone's like, listen, man, why don't I show up today? I'm telling you, it's the best day for you to be here. Here we go. 26. Now an angel of the Lord said to Philip, rise and go towards the south. To the road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. This is a desert place. And he rose and went. And there was an Ethiopian. Everybody say Ethiopian. Ethiopian. I love where the Bible talks about Africa because it just flies in the face of people who think that it was colonizers that brought the gospel to Africa. Oh, y'all don't want to hear this stuff. The gospel. Here we find an Ethiopian eunuch, a court official of Candace. And as you know, or you may know or may not know, the name Candace, the name Candace is a general term like Pharaoh, right? That was given to queens, right? Uh, queens of Ethiopia. And so the, this, this, this Candace, the queen of the Ethiopians, was in charge. He was in charge of all her treasure. He had come, the Bible says, to Jerusalem to worship. And I shared with you uh, the last time I spoke on this, and I just want to further elaborate the fact that this is nuts that an Ethiopian is traveling, watch this, talking about making bold moves, 1,500 miles to come out to Jerusalem to worship. He travels, he, he makes this bold move to come out to Jerusalem to worship. And the Bible makes it clear as we're, as we're going on here, it says, and he was returning, seated in his chariot. He showed up to worship. And the significance of this, which I want to reiterate about this, is because why is an Ethiopian eunuch coming to, to Jerusalem to worship? He's showing up. He's showing up in Jerusalem as there are many thoughts around why he would be doing this. And one of the most popular thoughts is that the Queen of Sheba and Solomon that they connected years before, and in that time... Uh, you know, Solomon sent, her, Solomon sent her back with more than just physical presence. And that they connected and all of this. And consequently, we believe uh, or there is the thought that they end up having, that the Queen of Sheba ends up having some children that are half, 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 eat, no perfect people allowed. We're going to get it together. Half Ethiopian and half Jewish. And so, you know, this Ethiopian, he is in an individual and uh, in, in, uh, interesting position. Because he is, he is here and he's traveling. And as I shared with you, he makes this voyage as, as it's believed that many did from Ethiopia who went to try and embrace this Jewish heritage and to see what was up. But I think that I want to again highlight this because this is important. Not only did he make this 1,500 mile journey, but you have to understand the sacrifice, the bold move. Everybody say the bold move. The bold move that, because see, this is the thing. He was not just an Ethiopian, but he was an Ethiopian eunuch. And the Bible makes it clear, if you will, keep your finger in Acts chapter in Acts chapter 8, and go with me to the first half of the Bible in the book of Deuteronomy. What book did I say? In the, in the books of the law 
And I want to just want you to understand. We're talking about highlighting this Ethiopian eunuch and what it took for him to have this life-changing encounter with God. Bible says in Deuteronomy chapter 23 verse 1, just so you understand, as we're, as we're talking about this eunuch and the move that he made. Are you still with me? Yes. says, no one whose testicles are crushed or whose male organ is cut off shall enter the assembly of the Lord. As a eunuch, his testicles were removed because he was around people that he could get pregnant and they often would do this as eunuchs, people who were around finances or people who were around other women so they would not be able to impregnate others. Now, this is something that is made, that is declared in scripture. Deuteronomy 23 verse 1, no one whose testicles are harmed or crushed or their male organ is removed that they are not allowed to enter the assembly of the Lord. And so here, there is a block. Are you still with me? There is a block. There is a barrier. And this Ethiopian eunuch is in this category because he is a eunuch. But not only this. So why? Why would he make this journey about 1,500 miles to come out to worship? Look, if you will, at the book of Isaiah. What book did I say? Good. I hope we're, we're looking at scripture and I hope that your I hope that your finger is still in Acts chapter eight. We're going back there. We're just making a pit stop here in Isaiah chapter 56. I want you to understand this because, you know, in the Old Testament, there were promises as well that pointed people to a day that would be coming when those who were considered marred or rejected, that they would be able to be welcomed in. And look at what the prophet Isaiah prophesies in Isaiah chapter 56, verse 3. Are you there with me? Look at what he says. Let not the foreigner who has joined himself to the Lord say, the Lord will surely separate me from his people. And let not the eunuch say. Everybody say the eunuch. Let not the eunuch say, behold, I am a dry tree. Oh, I love this stuff. For thus saith the Lord to the eunuchs who keep my Sabbaths. Obviously in this time, they were within the context of the law. And so Sabbath observance was necessary for them during this time. And Isaiah is prophesying in this context. He says, who choose the things that please me and hold fast to my covenant, I will give in my house. Oh man, maybe I'm the only one that's excited about this type of stuff. In my house and within my walls, a monument and a name better than sons and daughters. Remember, they couldn't have children. But he says that what I'm getting ready to give to you and the prophet is prophesying that what's to come is even better than sons and daughters. It says he'll give him a name, give him a name. I will give them an everlasting name that shall not be cut off. And the foreigners who join themselves to the Lord to minister to him, to love the name of the Lord and even to his servants, everyone who keeps the Sabbath and does not profane it and holds fast to my covenant. This is powerful because here in the book of Isaiah, you know, I just love prophecy. I love how the Bible is just unified and it prophesies about things to happen. And this is why we hold to it because especially to Jesus, because he fulfilled prophecy in such a massive manner. In such an accurate manner. 
Just read the book of Matthew when you get a chance. You write that down. Read the book of Matthew. It's especially about revealing to those who were Jews uh, how Jesus was the fulfillment of their law and their prophets. Can we just teach a little bit today? So look, when you see the Ethiopian eunuch showing up, and when he just pops up here in Jerusalem to worship, he's do doing so, and we believe that he's doing so based on this promise. That even though he was cut off, come on somebody, and even though he was an outcast prior to this, that there is a time that would be coming when it is that he would be able to be welcomed in and that he would no longer be in a place of rejection. I love it because the Bible is so good that even though we see in the first half that there was a lot of rejection and there was a lot of there was a lot of outcasting and there was a lot of of, of, of people who were on the outskirts. I'm ex so excited about the fact that the gospel is not a shut door, but it's good news because it's an open door. Oh my, and there are many of us that we love to highlight and focus on stuff in scripture that talks about who can't come. But I wonder if it's anybody in here today that's glad that the Bible makes it clear that God so loved the world. Come on, he loved the world. He loved the world. I feel it. He loved the world. He, somebody just say the world, the world. He loved the world so much that he gave his only begotten son that whoever, somebody shout whoever whoever believes in him would not perish but have everlasting life and so it doesn't matter what was said about you doesn't matter how you were ostracized doesn't matter how you were shut out come on somebody the gospel is available to you that's some good news today doesn't matter how things are looking in your life doesn't matter what the banker said don't matter what your husband or your wife said doesn't matter what your mom or your manipulative dad may have said or the uncle no matter what they did to you that still does not hinder you or block you out from receiving the love and the goodness of God I don't care what that church said said to you come on somebody I don't care what they put the standards they put on you when you walk through those doors I showed up today all the, down the street from Malvern to let about a hundred of y'all know this morning that God's love is for you somebody ought to put those hands together and give the Lord praise and so here it's the Ethiopian eunuch he shows up the Bible says, the Bible says in Acts chapter 8, we're there. And it says that he had come to Jerusalem to worship. Verse 28, and when returning, seated in his chariot. So he's on his way back. Doesn't tell us what happened with his interaction at the temple. Doesn't tell us if they were hip to the program. Doesn't tell us if they were like, hey fam, yeah, you come in, you're a eunuch. All is well. The prophet prophesied because we know what they did to Jesus. Come on, somebody. And we know how they responded to people. We know that they didn't even get it a lot of times. And so anyway, we know when we meet him, we don't hear about what happened with the worship, but we hear that he is now seated in his chariot and he's headed back. Everybody say headed back. He's headed back. And the Bible says that as he's headed back, as he was returning in his chariot, he was reading the prophet Isaiah and the spirit said to Philip, go over and join yourself to this chariot. So Philip ran to him and heard him reading Isaiah the prophet and asked, do you understand what you are reading? And look at his response. Here's the first bold move I want to highlight. It says, and he said, how can I, un unless someone guides me? And he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. 
Now the passage of scripture that he was reading was this. Like a sheep, he was led to a slaughter. And like a lamb before its shearer is silent. So he opens not his mouth. And the Bible says, in his humiliation, justice was denied him. Who can describe his generation? For his life is taken away from the earth. And the eunuch said to Philip, about whom I ask you, does the prophet say this? About himself or about someone else? And I love this. I want to note this because Philip, we often highlight the fact, Michaela, that the Holy Spirit tells Philip, go and catch up to this chariot. And the thing that I love is this is a powerful thing. And it's powerful that the Holy Spirit leads him to go and do this. But what's amazing, and I think what is a part of this experience that leads to life transformation that we often don't note is the fact that the eunuch had to allow him and welcome him into the chariot. Uh, he's reading Isaiah and he don't know what he's reading. And Philip shows up and says, hey fam, what's happening? Do you know what's going on in this text? And instead of him saying, yeah, guy, I'm a eunuch. I serve Candace, fam. What do you do? What, who are you, fam? You just all, you're, you're trying to tum a ride, guy? All showing up talking about you want to catch yourself to my chariot, but the Holy Ghost told you to come and catch it. So in that moment, he has to allow, oh my, he has to welcome Philip into the chariot. He could have just been rejected by the temple. Oh my. And so in that moment, he could have been guarded and said, well, look, I showed up on a prophecy that I thought was supposed to happen. And it didn't happen the way that I thought it was supposed to happen. Now I'm headed back. And he could have said, nah, fam, I'm straight. Yeah, I know. I know exactly what this text says. But he welcomes him in. And then after this, watch this. He asks him after the, the passage that he was reading is outlined. And he talks about it. He says, is this person talking about himself? Or is he talking about another? Now watch this bold move of asking for help. Come on, somebody. Welcoming Philip into the chariot. And not only this, but also being in a position where he is opening himself to ask questions and honest questions at that. Positions him later on in the text. We're headed there to receive the breakthrough that he needs in his life. And I'm here to tell somebody, sometimes your deliverance is in your honest questions. And there are many of you that you are not getting the deliverance that you want from the Lord and the breakthrough that God has for you is not efficacious in your life as of yet because you want to walk around in pride and act like you have it all together. But I'm here to tell you that most times that your deliverance and your breakthrough is attached to your honesty. Come on, somebody. I don't know how the devil managed to sneak in this fake it till you make it spirit into our church and into the church at large. But I'm here to tell you that that's why it's a lot of people that know how to go through the motions. Come on, church. And when there's preaching happening, you're hearing texts and scriptures. And many of y'all talking about, oh, we already know this and we get it. You know you don't know A from Bullfoot. But instead of being open and asking the questions that are needed, come on, somebody. You would rather sit there like a deer in headlights with a smile on your face instead of getting the help that you need. 
Can I give you point number one? Here it is. Talking about living bold lives. Boldness asks honest questions. Look at somebody tell me you got to ask honest questions. Ask honest questions. I'm telling you, there are no dumb questions in God. Come on. There are many of you, you need to start asking God some questions. And there are many of you who are in a position where you're like, oh, I don't want to disrespect God. How many of you know that that's a, pit, that's a lie from the pit of hell? The Bible declares in the book of 1 Peter chapter 5, it's declared and said to cast your cares upon him. Watch this. Because he cares for you. God does not wear earplugs like some of us parents do around his children he wants to hear what is on your heart and yes he does know everything he is omniscient but he wants to hear from you don't think that your question is too dumb for God some of you your the answer is in cue but God is just waiting for you to ask and there are many of you, the deliverance you need is in the mouth and the experience of someone else. Come on. And the reason why Philip was able to answer the question, he already had the experience. But the reason why he was able to answer it was because the, the, the eunuch was bold enough to ask. What questions do you need to ask? Where are you doubting? Listen, fam, this is not, they'll tell you if you came to winter school, they'll tell you, you know, we're not scared of your questions. Come on. You might have been to some churches where you ask questions and you said, why is this this way? And why is that that way? And they say, oh, don't talk about that. You better just have faith or the answer for everything is Jesus. Why is this Jesus? Why is this seem to contradict itself? Jesus. We use Jesus as a scapegoat. Come on. How many of you know that Jesus don't need you to cop out? Come on. The Bible can stand on its own. Come on. I just feel power in this place today. The Bible can stand on its own. And if the faith you have is rooted in something that's indestructible, you don't have to walk in fear. Can I talk to some Phillips in this place today? Been going around trying to make excuses for God. God don't. Hey, 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 hey. God doesn't need your excuses. The Bible can stand on its own. God can stand on its own and if you don't know the answer you got to get to the place where we're honest enough to say that I don't know or let me go find out but stop making excuses for the Bible the Bible says in first Peter chapter 3 the Bible declares that we got to be to the place where we are ready to give an answer for that which we believe in with 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 gentleness and respect and there are many of us coughing out and all this. If you don't know, you got to be willing to ask. Come on, somebody. And we are the body of Christ, especially in this day with all this new age theology and all these new age perspectives and everybody talking, playing, oh, everybody's going to heaven. Even the devil's going to heaven. Y'all think this is a joke. No, 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 fam. The devil's not sport making with one. Right? In other words, translation, the devil is not making jokes with you guys. Come on, somebody. He is to the place where he is out here not taking breaks and while we're lollygagging and just talking about oh it is all about Jesus but Jesus also made it clear that his word is true come on somebody and that we can take it to the bank and we can stand flat-footed on him and his word and it's gonna do what has been set out to accomplish who's with me on this morning boldness ask questions i love it you know we find in acts chapter 2 verse 37 acts chapter 2 verse 37 uh, and and 38 you know after pentecost happens the holy spirit falls and pentecost happens and they are like and all of these people here 
um, you know, see this. And, and for those who were like last week when I told you that uh, being filled with the Holy Spirit leads to self-control and not drunkenness. Notice, uh, if, you, if you look in this passage in Acts chapter 2, because some of y'all are like, well, look at these people. You know, they were being called drunk. And, you know, in all of this, they were being called drunk after Pentecost and after the Holy Spirit came and tongues of fire came on their head and all of this sorts of stuff. Well, first of all, I don't see tongues of fire on none of y'all's head, uh, but that's another story. Uh, anyways, what does this mean? But others mocking said they are filled with new wine. In other words, they accused them of being drunk. But Peter standing, watch this, with the eleven, lifted up his voice and addressed them, men of Judah and all who dwell in Jerusalem, let this be known to you and give your ear to my words. For these people are not drunk. So he says they're not drunk as you suppose, since it's only the third hour of the day. But this is what was uttered through the prophet Joel. Notice here he gives understanding as to what it is that is taking place. Because he don't want people to just look around and call it what it's not. But he wants to challenge their perspective. Come on somebody. And show them that what's happening is actually lining up with prophecy and scripture. And it's powerful because after Peter declares now. After he says this he goes on to give an explanation of what has transpired. And he tells them, he ultimately ties it into the gospel. And I love it because as we get to uh, verse 37, as we get to verse 37, uh, the Bible makes it clear that when they heard this in Acts chapter 2, the Bible says that when they heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and to the rest of the apostles, brothers, what shall we do? And after this is when Peter tells them to repent. And be baptized, every one of you, in the name of the Lord Jesus and you for the remission of your sins. And you will receive the Holy Spirit. And as I established last week, if you didn't listen, this is not necessary to establish a formula that has to happen. Because throughout the book of Acts, we see it happening in different ways. However, there are ingredients in there that are necessary and that are important to us. One of which is baptism, which I'm getting ready to talk about in a moment. However, I want to challenge you around this. Notice all of these people, instead of acting like they knew what was going on, after they hear the gospel, they ask, what should we do? And that was the question that opened them up. Boldness asks honest questions. They're like, we've been following this prophecy. We've been, we've been, we, we're, we're born into this thing and we still don't get it. I remember Nicodemus. Everybody say Nicodemus. Nicodemus. Nicodemus, Jesus asked, Jesus, uh, Nicodemus asked Jesus in John chapter 3. You go and check it out. He asked him, he says, he, you know, he's talking to him and he's saying, Nicodemus says, how in the world are you doing the stuff that you're doing? How are you demonstrating the miracles that you're doing? And Jesus answers him and says, unless a man is born again. He will not see the kingdom of God. And so Nicodemus, that, I mean, remember, mind you, we now live thousands of years later. And so you hear things like born again. And they're more common in nature, these sorts of phrases. But think about this to the average person. When somebody's still, just like when Jesus told them in John chapter 6, that in order to be a part of me, you got to eat my flesh and drink my blood. And they're like, what on earth, fam? Are you telling us to be cannibals? 
didn't realize that he was symbolically or spiritually speaking talking about partaking of him and the finished work that he had provisioned on the cross so here it is in john chapter 3 nicodemus is in this position and he's a ruler he's in a he's in a in a in a mighty place but yet he doesn't know and so he asked the question how in the world is somebody supposed to be born again are they supposed to enter again into their mother's womb and Jesus is able to go on and tell him about being, essentially being uh, born of the water and the spirit, being spiritually reborn. And how, watch this, God's, and then out of this interaction we later see in John 3.16, God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him would not perish but have everlasting life. But all of this comes out of a guy who is in a high position that is willing to ask an honest question. And there are many of you and I, what is, what is waiting, what revelation of God is waiting on the other side of your question? Oh my, I got to move, I got to move, I got to move. Are you still with me? So look, watch this. I love this as we go back to Acts chapter 8 and we're seeing this after this happens. Verse 34, the Bible says, and the eunuch said to Philip, about whom I ask you, does the prophet say this? About himself or about someone else. Then Philip opened his mouth and beginning with the scripture, he told him the good news. Somebody shout good news. Oh, somebody shout good news. In the middle of this craziness in the world, I'm so glad that there is good news. He tells him the gospel about Jesus, the euangelion, as it's declared. And the Bible says in verse 36, and as they were going along the road, they came to some water. And the eunuch said, see, here is water. Come on, somebody. What prevents me from being baptized? And he commanded the chariot to stop. And they both went down into the water, Philip and the eunuch, and he baptized him. And when they came out, out of the water, how can baptism be sprinkling when they went down into water and came up out of the water? Look, he came out of the water. And the spirit of the Lord carried Philip away. Now, this is powerful to me. Can I give you point number two? Watch this. Here it is. Be on the screens for you. Boldness doesn't delay doing what needs to be done. Here it is. Fick it, fick it. Boldness doesn't delay doing what needs to be done. This eunuch, he's like, fam, I'm not finna sit through no uh, new member classes. He says, listen, fam, I'm to the place. I don't got to go through no studies for six months. He says, listen, all I know and all I need to know is that Jesus died for my sins. Come on. And that scripture that he was sitting there reading came to life in him. Come on, somebody. And he says, guess what? I'm not going to delay this thing, but I'm going to get to the place where I'm going to do what I need to be done. What needs to be done. He said, hold up. Stop this chariot. Come on, somebody. I'm not waiting till a cute day next year. I'm going to start right now and there's some water let's get this done Oh, there's some of you, uh, before I even talk about baptism, there are some of you that are in this place that you know what needs to be done in your life. Come on, somebody. There are things that you know needs to be done. You don't even need therapy about it. Come on, because you already know what needs to be done. Come on, you already know. I keep saying it all. You already know what needs to be done. And you've been delaying and putting it off till tomorrow and say, oh, I'm going to do it tomorrow. Oh, I'm going to do it tomorrow. I'm going to make that phone call tomorrow. Come on, I'm going to speak to them tomorrow. I'm going to make that investment 
tomorrow. Come on, I'm going to get rid of it and X that out tomorrow. Who am I talking to in here today? And God is saying that if you are filled with the Holy Spirit, that you ought to get to the place where you make the decision that you've got to make today. It don't matter who's going to look at you. It doesn't matter what they go if they're going to say, oh, you didn't get it done in the way that we get it. You know, everybody was sprinkled in my family and our family. We go to this type of church and they do it this way. And hey, weren't you baptized when you were a baby? How on earth if baptism is connected to faith in Christ? Come on, somebody. Can a baby be baptized? And they out here talking about boo-boo, goo-goo, gaga. Y'all don't like this type of preaching. See, I come for all of that. I told you, I come for all. I don't care how you grew up. I love you and I love all of them. Come on, somebody. But at the end of the day, there are many of you that have had a counterfeit experience because of tradition. Come on, somebody. And God is saying tradition, you're not going to get it through tradition. You got to get to the place where you get it the Bible way. Come on. You got to do what the Bible says. Come on. The Bible makes it clear that we ought to be baptized in connection with our faith. Dedicate babies to the Lord. You can dedicate your baby to the Lord, but not once in this 66 books was a baby baptized. Can I stand flat footed on the word of God? And I still love you in the end of it. And so if you think that that sprinkling constitutes your baptism, you are wrong. And I call you to repent and be baptized. Come on, somebody in the name of the Lord Jesus. Even if it is something that may make you uncomfortable, it's something that is right. Now, look, 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 look. So boldness doesn't delay in doing what needs to be done. It's not offset by tradition. Remember the song, tomorrow. Remember that song? Jesus said, here I am. Won't you please let me in? And I said, I will tomorrow. Jesus said, I am he who supplies all your needs. And you said, I know. But tomorrow, tomorrow I'll give my life. Tomorrow I thought the wine is said about today. But it's so much easier to say tomorrow. But who promised you Tomorrow. Tomorrow very well might be too late. And this is it, you know. Don't let this moment slap, slip away. This is, what, this, is, this is what the Winans were trying to communicate in that beautiful, timeless song. Write it down. Check it out. If you're like, who are the Winans? Well, you need to get saved, number one. But number two, <laughs> if you never heard that song, go ahead and listen to the to tomorrow by the wine is a powerful song but they're encouraging us because we see in the example of the eunuch that he says i'm not going to allow this situation i'm not going to allow th this to stop me i see water here and i'm going to do i'm going to take immediate action are you with me this is what james says james says in the book of james chapter four what book did i say james, james says in james chapter four for those of you who think that you still got tomorrow and that you can just keep planning and putting stuff off and say, I'm going to do it tomorrow. James says in James chapter 4, verse 13, come now, you who say today or tomorrow, we will go into such and such a town and spend a year there and trade and make a profit. Yet you do not know what tomorrow will bring. Look what he says. What is your life? For you are a mist that appears for a little time. And then vanishes. 
And then look at what he goes on and he says, therefore, he says, instead, we ought to say, if the Lord wills, we will live and do this or that. As it is, you boast in your arrogance. All such boasting is evil. And then now, so look at verse 17. Are you still with me? He says, so whoever knows the right thing to do and fails to do it for him, it is sin. Listen, I didn't come with no doom and gloom. I came to prod and push you into your destiny. Come on, somebody. I want to propel you because how many of you know that if God calls you to do it and he's calling some of you, you feel this tug on your heart right now. Come on. And even as we're springing forward today, I believe you're getting ready to spring forward into your destiny. God is not calling you to move forward into something that is not going to be for your benefit. And there are many of us that have been hindered and have been stopping. But we, the Bible makes it clear that when we know what to do, and we don't do it for you it is sin so it's not even a black and white thing there's things that God has called you to do in your life that you are hesitating on talking about I'm living my best life <laughs> hindering hindering What's keeping it back and God is calling you to take bold steps but I want to tell you this about baptism here it is point number three and then I just got one more after this and we're out but point number three, here it is for you. Biblical baptism, for those who are wondering about why you should be baptized, it's connected to faith in Christ, not a denomination or organizational distinctions. Let me say it again. Biblical baptism is connected to faith in Christ, not a denomination or organizational distinctions. Here it is when the reason why the eunuch was so ready to get baptized is because it, he understood that it was connected to the, to the decision that he just made for Christ. Come on, somebody. And even if he may have been rejected at the temple, the relationship, this new relationship that he had with Jesus was what mattered the most. And the reason why, come on, I didn't even realize. But when I was a kid, the baptism that we experienced was baptism into an organization. And when we were getting baptized, they were like, you need to get baptized because it's Jesus plus our denomination. So we would have to recite all sorts of vows. Oh, man, I don't know. Listen, I wish I could just. I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to do it. But we would request. I never forget. I was getting ready to baptize this young lady. And while I'm getting ready to baptize this young lady, we had moved on from the type of church that I grew up in. And we had started our own ministry and we were doing ministry and God was blessing with this ministry. And I'll never forget, we didn't have a baptismal pool. Uh, and so we wanted to borrow the baptismal pool of a church that was in the organization that we had were previously a part of. And so the, one of the elders there was like, he wants to participate in this baptism. And so mind you, watch this. This is one of those churches that believe that earrings, you're not supposed to wear earrings, that you're not supposed to uh, drink caffeinated beverages because that's going to send you to hell you're not supposed to eat pork or bacon because that's going to send you to hell too and so listen so we get ready to do this baptism and I this lady you know and her husband that I'm getting ready to baptize I give the elder the opportunity to participate and I thought he was just going to pray and everything was just going to be regular and he gets up there and he starts asking this lady and her husband do you promise not to wear earrings she wearing earrings at the time do you promise not to drink caffeinated beverages such as Coke products and such as uh, ca coffee and such? A are you all hearing what I'm saying? And I am standing there re getting ready to go. Sure, are you can. <laughs> and knock this like. Tur, 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 tur. 
I'm about to go off. You see, you don't remember Street Fighter, do you? Like, I was getting ready to just powerbomb the beep out of that mug. Because she's looking at me like, what, pastor? I didn't know any of this. What does any of this have to do with salvation? And mind you, I had to pull her aside and say, hold up, listen. None of that have anything to do with the decision that you're making. Come on. Do you promise to, to stay true to the X, Y, and G church, which is the true church of Bible? Pro I'm like, I have to tell her, listen, don't listen to none of that. When you get baptized, you are getting baptized into Christ. Come on, somebody. And baptism, watch this, is an outward showing, not of you joining a denomination not of you promising you not go you only gonna have long hair and women you're not gonna wear pants come on and you're not gonna drink caffeinated beverages it says I've decided to follow Jesus all the days of my life and the gospel means more to me than anything and anyone in my past come on if any man be in Christ he is a new creature somebody shout new creature all things are passed away and all things become new and when I get baptized I'm leaving all that in the water and I'm coming up signifying that I've been made a new person on the inside somebody that loves the Lord ought to put those hands together and open your mouth and give him a shout and look so baptism, watch this, I know there are many of us that think that, you know, we do the hand raising thing and we close our eyes and you know, at the end of service, if you want to respond to the gospel, lift your hand and make a choice and we pray a prayer of commitment. That is just a prayer of commitment. That is not for those who think, okay, I just had to do that and that's it. How many of you know that that is just a prayer of commitment? It's not that prayer that saves. It's Jesus has saved you and you have responding and you're committing your life to him. In the first century, watch this, beyond the raising of a hand or walking down an aisle when just as I am. Y'all don't remember those crusades? Just as I am without one plea. Listen, the, the, in the first century, there was never a, there. They, they decided and they determined when someone made a decision to follow Jesus that baptism, water baptism, immersion in the name of Jesus. Watch, and I'm not even just talking about a formula or a, what to say when you're back, but in it be into Christ. They, dis, they determined and they looked at this as the true first step of obedience after following Jesus. And so there are many of you, can I just call on you today? There are many of you who have not yet taken the step of baptism. And you're like, because I raised my hand or I walked an aisle. I'm telling you, Jesus, we get baptized because it is an outward showing of an inward change. And Jesus commands that we should be baptized. Matthew chapter 28 verse 19. He tells the disciples in 20. He says that they are to go therefore and teach all nations about him. Baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teaching them to observe all things that he has commanded them. And so baptism, water baptism, is the first bold move of obedience after you have been saved. Are you with me? And so this is a decision out of faith. Listen, now let me just tell you this. Baptism, water baptism, does not save you. It is just an outward showing to the world that you have been transformed and been saved on the inside. Who's with me? 
because there are churches watch this that will teach you that baptism they teach something called baptismal regeneration everybody say baptismal regeneration in other words it teaches that you get saved when you get baptized no 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 i don't take tylenol to get a headache i take tylenol because i have a headache so when i get baptized i'm not getting baptized to get salvation i'm getting baptized because i've been saved and i'm showing and declaring to the world that there's something that has happened on the inside hence the reason baptisms are happening this month on the 29th as you're getting ready to hear in a bit and and on the 15th we also have we have two dates of baptism because a lot of y'all are getting baptized and i want to i'm compelling you to come and be baptized if that person is you stop waiting if you truly love jesus go ahead and put a ring on it listen when you get married you don't come to the altar to get love you better not come you better have love before you get to the altar we come to the altar to declare our love that we already have for one another to the world and so look there are people can i just can i just teach you something are y'all still with me i'm almost done i want you to get this because there's this you need to have the ammo to be able to fight against the stuff that is out there today because there are people who teach baptismal regeneration and watch this this is a problem because watch this it teaches people to put trust in water and not in jesus you can go down a dry devil and come up a wet one if you have not been transformed before you go down in the water it doesn't matter what has been said over you before they dumped you if you have not had a transformative experience then it does not matter the baptism is just a bath baptism has all or uh, salvation has always been by faith write down hebrews chapter 4 verse 1 and 2 i can't go through it because of the sake of time hebrews chapter 4 verse 1 and 2 bible says that the gospel was preached to those in the old testament by faith the same way that it's preached to us even after christ has come salvation has always been by faith and the problem with those in the old testament many of them did not the bible says they didn't mix what they heard with faith salvation has always been by faith and not of works Oh, I love it. I love it. So, so now, so now we, we establish this, that, that this is, that this is something that is an outward showing of an inward conversion. Many people who teach about uh, baptismal regeneration use Mark chapter 16, verse 16 as this passage that encourages us that we have to trust baptism as opposed to trusting Jesus. Mark 16, 16. I am going to read this one. The Bible says, uh, it says actually from verse 15 and he said to them go into all the world and proclaim the gospel to the whole creation whoever believes and is baptized will be saved everybody say believes and is baptized he who believes and is baptized will be saved but whoever does not believe will be condemned and these signs will accompany those who believe in my name they will cast out devils they will speak in new tongues. They will pick up serpents with their hands. For those who wonder why, why there's all those crazy snake handling churches. And maybe, have you ever seen those before? Or am I the only person? And people begin bidding and they, they worship with snakes around their shoulders. Go look it up on YouTube. And they believe based on this passage. 
that God is protecting them supernaturally from being bitten as they are holding text. How many of you know you cannot build a doctrine off of one text? This is why if you're in winter school, you hear us always talking about you can't build a house with one brick. And people will build a passage, build doctrines and entire teachings off of this. Can I be honest with you about Mark 16? Now, if you're reading an ESV, I want you to see this, first of all. And I just want to note this. Because see, like I said, we are honest. We don't try to hide nothing and we understand these things. In Mark chapter 16, verse 16, if you are reading an ESV, before it goes from verse 9 through 20, first of all, it will say some of the earliest manuscripts do not include verses 9 through 20. Did a pastor just say that? Look at this. Historically, right, there is an issue with this from verse 9 to 20. And many people, many scholars, they actually go back and forth on whether this was a passage or a part of the passage that was included in the original manuscripts or if it was later added by a scribe. Now, the reason why they kept it in is because it does not completely contradict or add things that are assigned. Yes, God can protect you from being bitten by snakes, even though he's not telling you to go out and start a church of people who handle snakes and in Jesus' name and say presumptuously that they're not going to get bitten. Come on, somebody. And so here in this passage, there is, it is, so, so with that being said, first of all, we are not going to establish an entire doctrine off of a pericope or a few pass or a few verses that we are even deliberating as to whether or not they were in the original do your study do your research check it out however right even in the passage if we look at it let's look at this in verse 16 whoever believes and is baptized will be saved but look at what it says but whoever does not believe will be condemned does it say whoever it says whoever is believed and is baptized will be saved why because belief and baptism go together but notice what he says in the next part but whoever does not believe and is not baptized what does it say in the text whoever does not believe will be condemned because guess what fam salvation is not attached to baptism and so if, if it was believes and is baptized will be saved, but whoever does not believe and is not baptized will be condemned, then we could build a doctrine in the text. And even still, you still need to find some more scriptures because we can't build it off of one verse. But in the text and the context of the text itself, it shows that salvation is attached to belief. It's the person who does not believe that is condemned. So salvation is still attached to faith. Are you with me? Yes. Pastor, are you trying to get us to be baptized or not baptized? I just can't, I can't understand. I'm trying to compel you, yes, to be baptized, but I want you to be baptized for the right reason. I want you to put trust and faith in Jesus. Come on, somebody. Instead of putting trust and faith in water. It's not the act itself that saves, but it is the fact that we have had a transformative experience with Christ and we now are living it out in the way that he is commanded through baptism. Are you with me? Now look, I'm going on and we're done. 
This is my last point. So just talking about baptism. Because we're getting ready to have two baptisms this month. And I want you to be a part if you are not yet baptized. If you are not yet baptized, it is your time. Here we go on. And the Bible says in verse 38, he commands the chariot to stop. And they both went down into the water. The Bible says Philip and the eunuch. And he baptized him. And when they came up out of the water, the spirit of the Lord carried Philip away. And the eunuch saw him no more. And he went on his way rejoicing. The Bible says, but Philip found himself at Ezotus. And he passed through, as he passed through, he preached the gospel to all the towns until he came to Caesarea. This is powerful. The eunuch has a life-changing encounter with Philip. Oh my. But it's beautiful because after Philip baptizes him, the Bible says that Philip disappears. Huh. But then it says that the eunuch went on his way rejoicing. Because his praise was not tied to a person. His praise, the rejoicing that he did was attached, was attached to a savior. And I'm here to tell you today that you, especially those of you who are just getting saved, and those of you even who have been saved and you've been going through your life, and your praise is just attached to people. When you show up here on Sunday, when you, your, your praise for many of you is attached to a pastor. But I'm here to tell you today, but just as Philip disappeared and the eunuch continued to praise, your praise ought to be tied to Jesus. Come on, somebody. And not a man. Can I give you point number? Can I give you point number four? Here it is for you. Here it is for you on the screen. Tie your praise to God's goodness not man's presence tie your praise to god's goodness not man's presence this is why the eunuch was able to continue to praise even when philip had disappeared come on somebody your experience there are many of you that tie your faith to your grandma but i'm here to tell you that even when your grandma leaves if the faith that you had was tied to jesus you can go on and continue to praise him and walk in faith even after grandma is long and gone i'm a witness i wonder if there's anybody in here today that says that my praise is not tied to a person but it's tied to the savior of the world who's with me on this morning your praise ought to be tied and your rejoicing ought to be tied to the savior this is why after Jesus ministers to the woman in John chapter 4, he ministers to her, this woman at the well. And she encounters him, this Samaritan woman. And she runs back home to all of the madmen and is like, yo, I met a man that told me all that I ever did. And she goes back boasting about Jesus and her encounter with Christ. And I love it. Because in John chapter 4 verse 42, the Bible makes it clear that she, that after they go and encounter Jesus for themselves, the Bible makes it clear. It says in verse 42, they said to the woman, it's no longer because of what you said that we believe. For we have heard for ourselves and we know that this is indeed the savior of the world. 
I showed up today to let about 10 of y'all know in here, your faith better be tied to Jesus and not a person. Come on, somebody. How many of you know Pastor Andrew will fail you? Come on, somebody. Pastor Chantal will fail you. Your neighbor might fail you. There might be people in your life that might look at you crazy. They might be your friend today, and they're not going to be your friend tomorrow. There are many of you that your faith is tied to prosperity, but how many of you know that you can have stuff today, and tomorrow it can all be gone? But when your hope is built on nothing less, come on somebody, than Jesus' blood and his righteousness. No matter what comes and what goes in your life, you can stand with assurance and continue to rejoice because my experience is not tied to a person. Come on. And my experience is not tied to a place or a thing, but my experience is tied to a savior. I feel like preaching. That over 2,000 years ago, when I was sinking deep in sin, far from a peaceful shore, very deeply stained within, sinking to rise no more, like this Ethiopian eunuch that was outside of the temple. Come on, somebody. Hopeless because of what the law had said. The Bible makes it clear that there was someone who came after this law that was greater than the law. Come on, somebody. And he came and he fulfilled every piece of scripture. I wonder if there's anybody that will have church with me real quick before we close this thing. He came and he fulfilled every single piece of scripture. Come on. They said unto us, a child will be born. Come on. And the government shall be upon his shoulder. And his name is Wonderful and Counselor. Come on. Mighty God and Everlasting Father. Hey, the Prince of Peace. And guess what, brothers and sisters? That just as it was prophesied, he showed up and he did it. Come on. And so this eunuch, he was able to have the faith that he had. He was able to tell the chariot, come on, stop and let me get in this water. And the reason why, why he was able to do it, come on, is because of what Jesus did. Not only did Jesus show up, I wonder if it's anybody that's going to have church with me today. Not only did he show up as the prophecy fulfilled, but I'm so glad, come on, the Bible made it clear that he would be bruised for my iniquity. Come on, the chastisement of my peace would be upon him, come on, and with his stripes, whether you're black, come on, whether you're white, whether you're gay, whether you're straight, come on. The Bible makes it clear that his sacrifice would be available to each and every single person. See, y'all don't like that type of preaching. But I wonder if it's anybody in here that knows that he didn't just come and he wasn't just whipped and he wasn't just bruised and put in a borrowed tomb. But just as the scripture said, bright and early, on the third day, he got up with all power in his hands. Come on. When they thought it was over, he got up. When death thought it had won, he got up. Come on. When it looked like it was a down and out, 
he got up come on somebody and that's good news for somebody today come on no matter who you are the love of God is here for you this morning somebody ought to rejoice somebody ought to give him the praise somebody ought to magnify him because his goodness is available to you today hey hey i'm to the place where my faith is not based on a man or a woman <laughs> doesn't matter what it looks like right now my faith has found a resting place not in a man-made creed i trust an everlasting one and for me he bled and died and i'm so grateful 